Boy, religion's kind of weird, ain't it? We've taken religion, and we've kind of shrunk it down to cute little catchphrases. Up north, religion is kind of more pomp and circumstance religion. It's high church, if you will. It's boring church, if you will. No, seriously, it's, it's how boring can the church service be, and the more boring it is, the more godly it is. In the south, we're a little bit more friendly. And so church becomes more about tradition and cute little sayings and potluck dinners and things that we pass down like cute little sayings that grandma used to say. And over time, those little sayings somehow have entered into our frame of mind that they become biblical truth. (laughs) We're phenomenal at these cute little phrases, and I could throw out a thousand of them today, and you've all heard them. And we attribute those things to God. Well, you know, the Bible says blank. Everybody shakes their head. I'll give you one. I'll do a funeral today at 4 o'clock. Laura Rogers, Donna's mom, they, she passed away this past week. And it never fails. Someone will come up to me at the funeral, and they're not a bad person. Their heart's in the right place. And they'll say something along these lines. No, she's in heaven now as an angel. She's just watching over me. Anybody heard that? Here's the problem. God never said that. Now, I believe she's in heaven. I believe she loved the Lord. The Bible never says when we pass away, we become angels. It's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. Maybe I'll cover it in this series. But we try to bring comfort to people by tagging biblical things that very simply are not biblical. And in the process, what we're doing is we're not giving people necessarily a a false sense of hope. We're just giving them a wrong sense of hope. Instead of them finding the hope in the biblical truth, and make no mistake about it, this book is full of hope. We've watered down the gospel, we've watered down the doctrines, we've watered down the things of the Bible in cute little sayings that aren't biblically accurate. I think one of the most common things that I hear from people, and we'll talk about that, let me turn this fan off real, real quick. It's what happens when Richard's out of town, Lou had one job. One job, turn the fan off. Couldn't even get that right, poor Connie. I want to look at one of the most commonly held myths. There's actually probably not a week that goes by. At times, there's not a day that goes by that I don't see somebody throw out this phrase. I used to have a pastor, Brother Randy. Like, I messed up in life. Like, I should have pastored a church where the minute I became a pastor, I became Brother Gary. Oh, Brother Gary. Brother Andy used to say, 
You just came out of. You are now. Or you soon shall be in times of trouble. Not very encouraging. You just came out of hard times. You're dealing with hard times now. Or hard times are coming. That doesn't give me warm, fuzzy feelings. But it's pretty close to the truth. Hard times are part of life. Difficult times are part of life. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. You're going to go through difficult times in life. There's times in life that it feels like every time you turn around, you or somebody you love is going through a crazy time. I've been through periods in my life like that. I call it the dip. You've heard me say that. Dip happens. There's times in life where you're at the top and there's times you're in the dip and there's nothing more miserable than the dip. When I'm in a season of dip, it's amazing how quickly I can feel overwhelmed and feel like, man, I can't take one more thing or I'm going to snap. If we were to be honest today, some of you are there today. You didn't just come out of it. You're in it today. You're going through difficult times. I don't know what those times may be. It could be a financial burden that you're dealing with. It could be you just got some kind of bad report from the doctor. It could be a relationship in your life that is blowing up. Your job situation is horrible. You're overwhelmed. You're tired. You're in the dip. You're wore out. You don't feel like you can take anything else on. The weight is just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And the reality is every single one of us have been there at one time or another. That time where we don't think one more thing. If one person looks at me wrong, if one more person looks at me wrong, I'm going to jail. I can't take any more of this. And then here's what makes it worse in the South. (laughs) You get to a place like that, that place where you're on edge, that place where you're wore out, that place where you feel like you can't take any more, along comes self, some well-meaning Christian, with annoying, unbiblical Christian advice. They're trying to make you feel better. They're trying to comfort you. They're trying to zing their cute little word quote at you. (laughs) The problem is they're telling you things that are just not biblical because... God never said that. I mean, you're about to pull your hair out because you can't take it anymore. And someone comes along and says, 
something like this. It drives me crazy. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't, don't forget, when God closes a door, he opens a window. What am I going to do with an open window? I can walk through a door. I'm too fat to climb through a window. You know what I mean? If I'm on the 12th floor, what's a window going to do for me? I've got windows in our house that aren't even made to open. Like that's the stupidest advice I've ever seen. It's the stupidest advice I've ever heard. Or or we say this. It's a good one. Just remember, God helps those who help themselves. Anybody ever heard that? That sounds good. Like, I feel like the the country preacher in me could shuck the corn on that. Bless God, don't forget that God helps those who help themselves get off your blessed assurance and get to work. I mean, you can just get with it. The problem is, I've read it from the front to the back, and God never said that. But probably my favorite when you're going through hard times is when someone looks at you to try to encourage you. This is what we're going to talk about today. Hey, don't forget, God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that? They're trying to encourage you. And I get it, the heart's in the right place. It's not like they're bad people. But they're wrong. God, God will never give you more than you can handle. Hey, I, I, I know you lost your job. And your house is in foreclosure. And they came to repo your car. And you just got the lights cut off. Your wife and your dog left you, and you missed that dog like crazy. I understand. But chin up, buddy. God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody? Hey, it's going to be okay. Life sucks. But God will never give you more suck than you can handle. It's a Gary Lamb version. Sounds good. It's cute <laughs> when we find it on a cute little graphic and we post it on Facebook. And we love to post it because 200 people hit like on it because it makes them feel good. But God never said that. Nowhere in this book will you see anything that says God will never give you more than you can handle. I believe it comes from a verse that's a powerful verse, but it's a taken out of context verse. 
Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. If we're going to quote the Bible, let's quote the Bible right. Anybody ever played the telephone game? You line up 12 people in a line and you tell the person next to you one thing and they tell the next person and then you see what it comes out at the end. I feel like that's what we do with the Word of God. Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. No, what the Bible says is God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he says when you are tempted, there's good news. God will provide a way out. More than you can handle in being tempted are two different things. Scripture never says God will not let you endure more than you can handle. He does say you won't be tempted beyond what you can handle. But it never says he will not give you more than you can handle. In fact, as you read this book, you'll see that God gave a lot of people a whole hell of a lot more than they can handle. Somebody say amen. I mean, look at the book of Judges. There's this guy named Gideon. He said, man, I'm the weakest in the clan. I'm the last in my family. God, I don't have what it takes for me to do what you want me to do. And God told Gideon, go lead that army. Moses said, God, I'm slow of speech. I'm not even a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. (laughs) Man, dude, I can identify with Moses. Moses went to God and said, these people are driving me nuts. Literally, he said, God, these people you want me to lead, they're wearing me out. I always tell people, I got the greatest job in the world if I didn't have to preach or deal with people. I walked around last night, and I just looked at someone, and I said, man, I hate people. They said, you're in the wrong business. I said, trust me, I know. King David, when the weight of sin caught up to him, he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me. He said, my guilt... It's like a burden too heavy to bear. He said, I'm exhausted and I'm crushed. God had given him more than he could handle. Esther told God, I I can't use the words. It's too much for me. Even Jesus. Even Jesus, as he's coming time to hang on the cross, the Bible says that in Mark He became deeply troubled. He became deeply depressed. He he had anxiety so bad that he was sweating blood. And Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus in his human form, in his flesh, the mission that was before him was more than he could handle on his own. Let me give you a reality day. Let me encourage you today. Let me be uplifting to you today because that's what you come to church for. 
God never said he will not give you more than you can handle. God will 100% give you more than you can handle. God will weigh you down and allow life to beat you up because he's not a puppet master in the sky dictating everything that happens to us. Let me give you a reality. Let me encourage you because I'm an encouraging kind of guy. Life will be hard sometimes. Marriage will be hard sometimes. Finances will be hard sometimes. Your career will be hard sometimes. Parenting will be hard sometimes. Discovering your purpose will be hard sometimes. Sometimes relationships will be hard. Sometimes life will just suck. Sometimes you will go through periods in life where you're like, I can't make it another day. That doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have heartache. Are we encouraged yet? I wish I could tell you that the minute you enter into a relationship with God, that that everything becomes great. It's like running through a field of sunflowers. It's like riding unicorns. It's like chasing rainbows. It's like farting out bubbles. But I can't tell you those things today because I'm here to tell you that life sometimes gets rough. You're not special because you're going through a hard time. You're not special because you have a sad story. Join the club, baby. Quit beating you. Oh, some people, man, wear their misery like a badge of honor. You just don't know what I've been through. Who are you to think you're so special that you've been through something that no one else has been through? Life's rough. Life's tough. Life will beat you up. There will be times in life you're ready to call it quits. There will be times in life that God gives you more than you can handle, and don't miss this. That's a good thing. Because if we could get through this life on our own, we don't need God. It's in the fire that you're shaped. He says he is the potter. He's taking that lump of clay and he's molding you and he is shaking you. The Bible talks about silver going through the fire seven times to be purified. As you're going through the mess, God is getting you ready for the ministry. He's getting you ready to impact people. He's putting people in your life that you'll be able to touch and you'll be able to uh, minister to and that you'll be able to speak truth to that no one else will. Why? Because you've been there, done that, had the scars to prove it. There's people out there that you'll be able to reach that I'll never be able to reach. Why? Because of the fire, because of the trouble that you've been through. So glad that God gives me more than I can handle because it forces me to do some things. See, God will give us more than we can handle. The first thing I want you to realize is is he wants you to depend on his presence. God wants us to teach us to depend on him. How many of you have noticed that when, when things are going good, or maybe I'm the only one that's like this, When things are going good, when things are clicking, when things are just rolling, it's got to be honest with you, it's easy to get in such a groove of goodness 
that I forget that goodness comes from God. (laughs) I forget that the blessing is from God. When life's going the way you want it to go, you're like, God, I know you're still there. And I know that I kind of need you. But hey, God, not right now, not so much because everything's rolling. It's just human nature. We tend to cling to God more when our life's falling apart. When things are going good, we tend to think they're going good because we're doing something right. But you let things start falling apart. You let things start to go sideways. You lose that job and boy, that prayer life becomes whole another level. You need some money in the bank to pay that mortgage, boy. You start calling out to God like you've never called out to him before. You let your marriage start to fall apart and suddenly that prayer room you couldn't find a place for in your house, boy, you're cleaning out the closet and throwing stuff away where you have room to go pray. See, we tend to treat God like he's a 911 call. When things are bad, we depend on his presence. I have a buddy of mine who's an atheist. I've known him for years. He doesn't believe in God. It's just that simple. He does not believe in God. He doesn't want to talk about God. He doesn't want to hear about God. I I would go so far to say... He hates God, but it'd be hard to hate something you don't believe in. I've known him for years. One time we were hanging out. It's the only time I've ever been in this situation, actually, and the weather turned bad. Like, you know how you look out the window, and all of a sudden everything just has that green tint to it, and you know the tornadoes are on the way? A few minutes later, we hear the tornado sirens going off. A few more minutes, I'm not exaggerating here, we look out the window and trees are just sideways, I mean, out of nowhere. He was shaking. He was cussing. He was freaked out. And he looked at me and said, you gonna pray? <laughs> I'm freaking out too. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, do whatever you do, but while you're praying, throw one up from me too. Hey, I don't believe in God, but everything's getting crazy, and it's getting real hairy out there. He's starting to look real, real. It's amazing when life gets difficult, how suddenly you're drawn to the presence of God. Why would God allow us to go through difficult times? One of the reasons is he needs to draw us back to his presence. The Bible says God, this surprises people, the Bible says God's a jealous God. He doesn't want to come second to anything. He wants us dependent on him. He's a good, good father. He wants us focused on him, but sometimes when things are going so good, we think we did it. We brag on what we did. You can see this reality in the Old Testament story of Jonah. If you know the story, Jonah, real simple. Those of you who don't know, the God told this guy named Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. 
And Jonah was like, nope. I ain't going to preach to those people. I don't like those people. I'm not going to. Let me give you a little bit of advice. It's never good to argue with God. He ain't going to win that argument. So Jonah begins to rebel. Like we all have at times. (laughs) And just like at the moment we started to rebel, the minute Jonah starts to rebel, his life falls apart. Jonah spirals out of control. Through an odd series of events, you have to go read the story if you've never heard it. He's thrown off a ship into the water. A giant fish swallows him up. John 2, 7 says, My life was slipping away. I remember the Lord. My earnest prayer went out to you in the holy temple. <laughs> one, of the, one of the verses said, As I was in my distress. That says John. It's supposed to be Jonah. Excuse me. It's been a long week. Jonah says, my life was slipping away. As my distress was slipping away. As my life was falling apart, I remembered the Lord. The same Lord who told him to go preach to people, he said, no, God, I'm good. But in the belly of fish, man, he remembered who was in charge. (laughs) He didn't say in my success, I remembered the Lord. I don't know about you, and I I don't understand what it is about human nature that is like this. But when my life is falling apart, it's those moments that I literally am craving the presence of God. Christine will come down to our shop every once in a while, and there'll be worship music on. You know what her first response is when there's worship music on? Rough morning? That's sad, ain't it? She knows the only time I'm flipping worship music on and I'm trying to get my mind right is when my mind's not right. It takes tragedy sometimes to draw us back to God. As my life was slipping away, the King James says, as my life was in distress, I remembered the Lord. Sometimes God will allow you to take more than you can carry where you can remember his presence. We, a good preacher right here if a white boy is doing it. Listen, I've seen some black ones do it good. Matter of fact, I see most of the black ones can do it good. They can out-preach me, but a white one's getting to do it today. Listen, he said, we crave him in our distress, and we ignore him in our success. We crave God in our distress, but man, in our success, we ignore him. We don't give him the glory, but when it's falling apart, God, I need you. I'm calling out to you. So sometimes God will give you more than you can handle because he needs to remind you to depend on his presence. When it's too heavy for you, he wants you to remember he's God and newsflash, you're not. Man, holy smokes. When my life was bad, I remembered the Lord. Challenge for some people is they get in the middle of the storm and they start to wonder about God. Life isn't going the way it should. 
I, I wish this wasn't happening. Why is this happening? If God was with me, this wouldn't be happening. I don't understand why God's allowing this. Oh, I prayed for one thing and I got the opposite. If God were good, this wouldn't be happening. Hey, ain't it funny God's good when things are good? Man. Never allow the storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because he becomes real in the storm. It's in the middle of the storm he walked out on the water to the disciples. Man, there's power in having more than you can handle. Bible says in Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is close to all who call on him, all who call on him the truth. Listen to me today. There's some people here today and you're going through a storm. I don't know any information on anybody, but I know you're going through a storm. You know how I know you're going through a storm? Because, man, you're human. In a group this size, there ain't nobody that's got it all together. God has given you more than you can handle. And my encouragement to you today is to embrace the suck. You can fight against it. It won't change it. You can get angry about it. It won't change it. You can worry about it. It won't change it. You can stress about it. It won't change it. You can allow your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups to take over your life in the midst of your, your storm. And guess what? Your storm will still be there. I've never understood when things start going wrong, people start drinking. I just wanted to forget about it. Well, the problem is with, with drinking, your problems weighed you sober up one day. And they're still there. And the problem is you got to drink more to mask it. So instead of ever dealing with the root of the problem, you just continue to mask the problem, and then you wonder why everything falls apart in your life. But Gary, you just... I mean, isn't it, Some people just have a sob story. You ever met someone that has a sob story, and they tell you their sob story, and you think they're going through that right now, and you realize, man, what they're, they're sobbing about happened 10 years ago, and they're still living there? Because they've been masking it. They've been fighting against it. Instead of embracing the presence of God in the storm, they're trying to look at everything and anything because we try to find peace and comfort in anything we can instead of the ultimate peace, the one who gives the peace that passes all understanding. You will never, listen to me today, I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to this. You will never know peace until you know God. You will never know contentment until you know God. You will never understand what the storm's purpose was until you know God. Because in the natural, you can't understand those things. In the natural, those things don't make sense. In the natural, it goes against everything that we have. But when we deal with God, we're dealing with the supernatural. And he intercedes in a way that I wish I was smart enough to explain, but I can't. But there's something powerful about the presence of God. Draw close to him, the Bible says, and he will draw close to you. And sometimes God will give you more than you can handle. Sometimes God, sometimes God has to take your marriage to the brink of divorce to save your marriage. 
Because at the brink of the divorce, for the first time ever, you allow God into your marriage. See, the problem is we've allowed God to become the last resort instead of the first resort. We're in the storm. All we can do now is pray. You should have been praying from the beginning. I'm going to hurt some of your feelings here. Because some of you, this applies to. But sometimes I sit back and I chuckle. I know that's not very pastor-like to chuckle at you. But I'm not very pastor-like. All of a sudden, you'll roll in after five or six months. I just felt led to come back to church. Many of you told me that. What's the first thing I looked at you and said? What storm are you in? Well, what do you mean? You didn't get up today and decide to come back to church. What you battling today? Man, every single time. I'm not talking about 90% of the time. I'm talking about 100% of the time. They just start vomiting it out. Because they had nowhere to turn. They had that last resort. Sometimes God will allow us to go through those hard times where we can depend on his presence. When you get to the point that you don't think you need to depend on the presence of God, you're in a dangerous place. Because here's the problem with success. Up, up. Up, up, up. Eventually, you're going down. I get a little bit nervous. Knock on some wood. I put on events for a living. I'm kind of on a hot streak right now with the weather. And here's the deal. Eventually, it's just life. It's called the roller coaster. It is what it is. Don't matter if I talk about it. Don't matter if I don't talk about it. It's going to happen. So I, I get a little nervous sometimes when things are going too good. Because I know the other shoe's about to drop. The difference is I'm 46 years old now. And I've been pastor for 25 years. So in pastor years, I'm 178. And I've been around the block and I just learned that I know how it works now. Boy, me and Christine, man, our marriage is good right now. I like her. She tolerates me. Like my food ain't smelled like radiator fluid lately. Like we're good. But I'm not so stupid to think I'm... We're not going to go through hard times again. They'll come. I don't want them to come, but they'll come. My kids are being pretty decent right now. But I ain't so stupid to realize that the dip's coming. Our finances are pretty decent right now. Go back to this wood over here.
But I've learned over the years financially, man, I can be up here in a minute and over here the next minute. Hard times are going to come. And God will give you more than you can handle. Because sometimes he's got to give you more than you can handle before you'll swallow your pride and depend on his presence. Sometimes, I man, I'm stubborn. You might not know this about me, but I don't do anything small. I, n- nothing, including imploding. Like, I'm going to implode, we're going to implode big. If I'm going to lose it all, it's going to have people are going to come from miles to watch the show. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. Sometimes God's got to knock you so low that all you can do is look up to him. I wish it wasn't that way, but there's a reason the Bible says we're sheep. I'm not, we, I didn't say you, I said we. Sheep are the dumbest animal out there. Let's just be honest, we are dumb, we're humans. We do some stupid stuff. I don't know why, I don't know why God took my license. God didn't take your license, you had four DUIs in six months. I don't know why God allowed me to go broke. God didn't allow you to go broke, you idiot. You spent more than you made. I don't know why God allowed allowed my marriage to fall apart. God didn't allow your marriage to fall apart. You spent more time chasing other women than you did your spouse. Oh, did I hit too close to home with that one? Mm. God wants you to depend on his presence. Sometimes he just needs to draw us back to him. Sometimes he's got to get us in that place where we're willing to learn. I joke, I say this about leadership. Fifteen years ago, I would preach on Sunday, and probably 30 weeks out of the year, I would preach four services, get in my car, and drive to the airport. I would fly out and speak at leadership conferences all over the country. People paid me good money to come in and preach and talk. I knew nothing 15 years ago, and everyone wanted to hear what I had to say. Now I joke after all the fires I've been through, I've learned some things along the way. Nobody wants to hear what I got to say. I could write a book on how not to implode your life now. Nobody wants to hear that. When you get so low, all you can do is depend on God. That's a good place to be. The problem is, the problem is, don't miss this, you're fighting the suck instead of embracing the suck. The quicker you embrace it, then you can begin to analyze what's God trying to teach you in the middle of it. I spent years fighting it. So God wants to draw us to depend on his power. And I'm going to get us out of here, I promise you. Two points today, not even three. He wants you to experience his power. He wants you to experience his problem, his power. The problem with us is we're trying to do everything in our own power. God wants us to experience his power. 
The reason so many of us try to operate in our own power is because we've bought into the lie that God will never give you more than you can handle. And because you think you can handle it, you think you can get out of it on your own. We need to realize that we were created to need God. We were created to be desperate for God. When you realize that God loves you so much that he doesn't expect you to have to handle it on your own, it will change your life. Paul lived this out nonstop in his life. In Corinthians, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You don't know who Paul is. Paul in Corinthians, he talked about this thorn he had in the flesh. He talked about it over and over. We don't know what the thorn was. I have some interesting theories on what the thorn was. I'm not going to get into them today because they're literally that, just theories. I'm not going to preach my opinions. I've studied out Paul's thorn in the flesh. I've read everybody's thoughts on the thorn in the flesh. The reality is, is God doesn't tell us what the thorn in his flesh was. Why? Because we all have a thorn in our flesh. We all have something that we're battling. We all have something that is something that tries to control us, and we try to fight it on our own, in our own power. We don't know what the thorn was, but we know it plagued him. We know it hindered him. Three different times in the Bible, it says he pleaded, pleaded with God to take away this this stumbling block. I don't know what your stumbling block is. Some of you drink your thorn in the flesh. Some of you are smoking your thorn in the flesh. Some of you are sleeping with your thorn in the flesh. Some of you are stressing over your thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it is today, but you know what it is. You know what that hurt is, that habit is, that hang up in your life, that is a thorn in your flesh. And Paul begged God to take it from him. Now, now when you read... This in the, in the English language, it doesn't necessarily do it justice. When it says, I prayed, it literally means he begged God. He was seeking God. He was pleading with God to help him in this area. Now, in, in my limited mind, I think to myself, if there's anybody that God's going to remove a thorn from in his flesh, it'd be Paul. Paul gave his life to serving God. He spent his life in prison spreading the gospel. Paul started churches that 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 got on ships and came to this country and started churches that started churches that eventually started churches down the road that led to Action Church being started. Like if you're going to get the thorn out of anybody's flesh, it'd be Paul's. By the human side of my limited thinking, that's what you think. If anybody deserved to be be delivered from the thorn in the flesh, it'd be Paul. But God didn't do it. I'll get to it in a minute, but I'm telling you, everybody here has a thorn. And in your own power, you're trying to get rid of it. And you're going to reach out to God over and over and over. God, can you take my depression away? God, can you fix my marriage? God, can you turn my team back to me? God, can you just help me this one month financially? You know God could do what you're asking him to do, but he doesn't. 
And you begin to think to yourself, why would God give me more than I can handle? Why would God give me this marriage to this person? And it's more than I can handle. Why would God put these burdens on me, these responsibilities, and they're more than I can handle? That's what he says. 2 Corinthians, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. He begged. He sought God. But he said to me, he being God, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, my power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Look what he said. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in the weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, and the difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why does God give you more than you can carry? Because he wants you to depend on his power. His grace is sufficient. His grace will fix that marriage. His grace will bring that team back to you. His grace will help you deal with the issues that you're dealing with. His grace will bring along the people in your life that will help you navigate this thing called life. You're trying to do it in your own power. And God said, when you admit your... The first thing, first thing to overcome an addiction is... I don't know if it's the first thing, but one of the things is admitting you're powerless to it. You can't control it. The minute you say, man, I can't control this anymore, you're no longer operating in your power. So God will give you more than you can handle because that way if you're not operating in your power, you can operate in his power. And oh, BTW, some of you keep relying on your power and newsflash for you. you it ain't working. I almost was mean and called you a bad name. See, God's working on me. Nobody wants to be called a stupid idiot, so I caught myself before I said it. Keep doing what you've been doing. Keep getting what you've been getting. Like, my mind is blown sometimes how set in people's ways they are. That's just the way I've always done it. Your life sucks. Literally, you're some of the, one of the most miserable people I know in life. But you're too stubborn to change because you're going to figure it out on your own. No, you're going to die miserable is what you're going to do. You're going to die losing at life this amazing gift that God has given you. Keep doing what you've been doing in your marriage, you'll keep getting what you get in your marriage. Keep doing what you do in your career, you'll keep getting what you get. Keep doing what you do in your finances, you'll keep getting what you get in your finances. If it ain't working, maybe you need to rely on your power and start relying on God's power. Or keep doing what you've been doing. But we're tired of hearing you gripe about it. Oh, and I'm the same way. Don't get me wrong. How many times do I tell you, I'm sick of is my wife even down there? I keep pointing to Amy. I'm like, that is not my wife. Well, that'd be a good rumor, wouldn't it? I might start that one. Listen, how many times do I tell you, I gotta lose weight? I gotta get in shape. 
Guess what? I rely on my own power. <laughs> I just keep eating ice cream and brownies and country fried steak and gravy, mac and cheese. And I just keep gaining weight. So eventually, guess what happens? You know why none of you are really acknowledging it now? Because for 10 years, I've bitched about it. You're tired of hearing it. You know why Kylie's laughing? Because I've been on vacation with him while I'm trying to lose, and and I'll make myself suffer through vacation. Let me tell you how dumb I am. We went on a cruise one time. I'd stayed good the whole time I was on the cruise, so I didn't eat any of the great food on the cruise. Well, not really good food, but the quantity food, because not the, all the crappy foods you could eat. Only on the way home to pull through a drive-thru and say I've had enough and eat whatever I wanted. Relying on my own power. Man, keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you get. I can't experience God's power until I have more than I can handle. So here's the reality of the situation. God will never give you more than you can handle. Snoop says, that's false. God never said that. So let's quit spreading things that are not biblical. And realize that God will 100% give you more than you can handle. So you depend on his presence and you depend on his power. Until you depend on his presence and experience his power, you will never be in a position to win in life. And God put us, and I know this is so cliche, but God did put us on this earth to be victorious, not be victims. We win. This is just the the passing through. This is not our home. What do we got to lose? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. We win here. And then when we die, guess what? We win again. We get heaven. I get to go to a funeral home today. And you know what? People are going to be upset and they're going to be broken. Of course, why? Because in the flesh they miss mom and they they miss mom-in-law and they miss... Nana or granny or whatever she was. They missed her sister. But she wins. We're stuck here. She's in heaven. Man, God will give you more than you can handle. The quicker you accept that and you embrace that, then you can change your life. Let's pray.